You are the potter. We're just the clay. Shape us and mold us after thine own will as we wait, being yielded and still. We praise God and we give God glory and honor for his grace has proven to be sufficient again. There's no guarantee on last night that we should see another day. Uh, but this morning, our eyes bore evidence that God's been faithful again. New mercies he's given unto us. And certainly we praise God and we honor him as we stand in this place of God's tabernacling with his people. And it's true, I've heard it. Yes, God can meet us at our house. But ain't it an extra blessing that we can meet him at his house? Amen. And that he would honor and come to us. I say that as one who has experienced being stood up before. Too many beautiful people here. I know y'all never experienced being stood up. But it's amazing that the God of all the universe kept an appointment to meet us here today. As tore up from the floor, as some of us may be, and others canceled their appointment, God still showed up. And to him I give glory and praise and honor. I stand honoring God the Father, Jesus, the elder brother, the Holy Spirit, our company keeper, our comforter, and our friend. To my brother in both Christ and in eternity, uh, your pastor is a friend to me. Amen. And he's a, he's, 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 a, he, he's, a, he's a pastor that other pastors ought to model, uh, who genuinely cares for the sheep. Um, I know I'm, I got you standing for a moment, and, you know, if you stand for a moment, I'm going to stand for a little longer, okay? So, but please allow me to get this out of the way first, and I'm, I'm just saying that because, again, I think I, I can't shake it. I'm a country boy. I live in what they call the city now, but I got country boy theology. Country boy theology says it's an awful pitiful dog that don't wag his own tail. And when I say you have a great pastor, all y'all should have went running around this place. Amen. Because some of us have lived long enough to know that not every pastor is a good pastor. I have them. Amen. 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 And I say that as a pastor because knowing pastors, there's some pastors that don't like people. They preach and they leave. They don't want to talk to nobody. And I once read a book by O.S. Hawkins who said, they smell like sheep. A real shepherd smells like sheep. Jesus was a real shepherd. And I fear the success kind of platform that we're on now that we want to do this without loving people. It's almost like... I got a good friend. She's the smartest person I ever went to school with. She's, she's brilliant. I mean, she's brilliant. She got the fellows for doctorate school at Vanderbilt Medical Center. And uh, she did, this is my friend, so I can say it. She did one of the dumbest things 
she ever could do. She's the most brilliant person I've ever met, went to school with. And uh, she became a pediatrician and don't like children. <laughs> She's smart enough to get the degrees, but, but she's miserable every day she goes into work, okay? Amen. I just said that because, again, sometimes we ought to have better sense to know that a, a pastor like Pastor Benson is not easy to come by. So you ought to be grateful that God has blessed you with such a great man of God. Okay. Uh, now I want to recognize Lady Benson. Amen. And the first family. Amen. The first family singing and doing all this other stuff. Just, just one of them like Jackson Five families do everything. I hope Joe didn't beat them in and all this stuff. No, just, just, amen. Some of y'all, it's okay to laugh. You're going to laugh a little bit while I'm up here, okay? And to Lady McAdoo, amen, my, my wife. Amen. Glad to have her with me. Amen. Uh, well, see, I got some members that snuck over too. So we, we bless God for all of you. To, to, to this great church, New, New Direction. Listen, uh, let me say this again, because there are times that you'll be back at Union and I'm not even there. Uh, but I, I, I've opened that door, and I don't do that to everybody. But again, when, I'm, when I see commitment that's on his heart, commitment to the Word of God, et cetera, and we're in this thing together. That, that's why, amen, I know you don't have... A, you say you don't have a baptism pool. It, you do. It's at 2616 Carter Street. Okay. It's, it's there. Okay. Amen. And so we, we bless God because as long as we're doing kingdom work, it's really not space to be uh, jealous or contentious. We passed enough centers on the way here to fill up both of our churches and then still have to build some. So there's still more work. Too much work to be simple-minded. Let me do what I need to do and get out of the way because I know this is the, the, the last Sunday that you're without your pastor, and y'all just wanting it to be next Sunday. <laughs> Amen. And I got you. This is also my vacation month, but I, I do this for, again, friends. We do that, and we, we came back. But I, I want to lift a, a couple of verses out, if I might. I, I, today I want to invite your attention to a single-chapter book within your English Bible, a single-chapter book. Now, I just gave you five, you know, uh, giving you a reason to go and get some extra amens in because if y'all want to go ahead and start knocking out these 66 books I read, every book I'm giving you, okay, listen, I'm giving you, we're going to start with a, a single-chapter book within the English Bible. Now, that's a clue. Because that clue narrows, but it don't necessarily identify. There are actually five single one-chapter books in the Bible. I gave you that bit of information so that by tomorrow, you can have read five whole books in the Bible. <laughs> and not 66 down to 61. Okay. Uh, one in the Old Testament, Obadiah. Somebody check that out right now. I'm going to get Obadiah, right? Okay. And then there are four in the New Testament. Amen. So single-chapter books. Philemon. Second John, Third John, and of course, Jude. I, I want to look at, I want to peek into the narrative of the epistle of Philemon, the second 
single chapter book in the Bible, the first in the New Testament. Now, there are 25 verses of this letter, but I want to single out for the purpose of preaching verses. Uh, let's look at verses uh, 10, 11, and 12. The King James Version writes this, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now, somebody say now, profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bow. I want to reread that one passage, and then I'll let you sit down and just don't go to sleep. Amen. I want to look at it from the English Standard Version. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now, he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to talk this morning, I want to use a simple controlling thought, growth cycles. Growth cycles. Third time, growth cycles. Cycles. Turn to your neighbor and do me a favor. I need you to do me a solid. That's how we talk in the old school. I need you to do me a favor. Some of y'all looking like I don't even know you. Do me a favor. <laughs> Look at your neighbor like you like him. That's favor number one. Okay, one needs one side needs to work on that. Okay, amen. <laughs> Look, look at your neighbor like you like him. Speak to your neighbor like you love him. Say, neighbor, neighbor. or neighbor. neighbor, I'm back, I'm back. But, I'm but I'm better. Okay, I missed that one. Okay, uh. I matchmated you up with the wrong one. Look on the other side of you. Uh, come on. Say neighbor. Oh, neighbor. I'm back, but I'm better. Father, for powerful preaching, we pray. Again, your name might be glorified and your people edified, your will through us satisfied, your enemy horrified. That again, when you look at us and all that we've done, our resemblance might simply magnify your grace. That we might see each other, but in looking at each other, see your grace. We'll be careful to give your name praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Let me start with an admittance of preaching difficulty. I admit this. 
the canon, the official collection of inspired writings, collectively called the scriptures or the Holy Bible, has specific purposes for the inclusion of each of its canonized books. The Bible, as we know it, is not cataloged in chronological sequence. There are, however, fields of thought for its composition. For instance, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, exists for the historical purposes, but also as a tool for teaching God's precepts and laws. Joshua judges exist to show the 12 tribes settlements and their struggles inside of the promised land. Ruth was written to provide a biographical sketch of the religious ancestors of David the king, which the book of Samuel does not provide. Then there are the historical books, First and Second Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, Job, is there the oldest of all the texts in terms of its age, not necessarily the time of framework. Then there's the hymn book of the Old Testament, the Psalms. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes compose the wisdom books. And then there are the major minor prophets that categorize the Old Testament. The New Testament likewise has the Gospels. Now I'm going to make somebody a little mad here because you went to the bookstore with a budget. And you decided that you wanted to get the book that had it in red. I'd actually had a member said, I ain't going to believe what everybody else said. I'll just believe that stuff in red. I want that stuff Jesus said. And I, and I had to break the news to them that Jesus didn't write a single book in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're gospels of Jesus Christ according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when you see it in red in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is what Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John said Jesus said. Okay. Uh, so the good news is about Jesus, not about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only good news about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is they met Jesus. Acts is the history of the church, the birth of the church, and then the epistles write our letters that are instructions as to how the church ought to operate. It's some mostly by Paul, some by the other disciples writing for instructional purposes. I thought I'd stop out and let you know that that's the difficulty of using the Acts over against an epistle because a historical narrative writes what happened, not necessarily what should happen. An epistle tells us what should happen. Okay, let me, let me make that live. The American history has to write about the Klan. Just because it happened don't mean it should happen. So when we use historical narratives to come against instructional narratives, we're wrong because we don't understand it was included because it was historical. Um, and then it closes with the apocalyptic book of Revelation, for which a lot of church folk, particularly new members, want to get in, get saved, and master <laughs> Revelation. 
Okay, I ain't going to even go into that one. Start at John. You'll be better. Okay, amen. Instead of reading the last book he wrote, start with the first one he wrote. You'll be a little bit better. But, but I want to I today look at this official, the personal epistle entitled Philemon. The purpose is a little confusing because it comes under two different tags. It's a, it's a personal letter, but got public emphasis. Um, the harder to break that one down because we live in a day when it's kind of hard to tell what's supposed to be personal and what's supposed to be public. Because there's some stuff on Facebook that deserves your private closet. Okay, somebody count that. We'll move on. The book of Philemon is a private letter publicly inferred. And, and what makes this book a little difficult is how we, how we ease upon it. The reader has the unique position of taking one of three positions. From the first position, you can look at the letter as to who wrote it, Paul. We can also look at who he's writing to. That's the second position because it's written to Philemon. But I think even more importantly is the third position as who the first person is writing to the second person about. It's, it's like me preaching using me as the object, but really knowing I'm talking about you. Paul writes this letter, first person, he writes the letter to his son in ministry, Philemon, but he's writing about another son called Onesimus. Are, are y'all with me? Am I by myself? And yet, let's, let's erase the Paul line, the first person, let's look at the second and third person, because there are at least two applications that we need to get if we're going to spend at least the next 20 minutes in this passage. It's because I believe this narrative does two things for us if we're going to keep it real. He writes the letter because there seems to be in this personal composition or this now public distribution some craziness. Somebody say craziness. Uh, I, I don't want to upset you, but Cray Cray might live next to you. <laughs> and then there's also some callousness. There's some people who've become callous. Um, let, let me go ahead and, and move uh, and just tell you to, to get in where you fit in. He writes this letter. Because he's identifying a problem. You got to say, now, why is Paul writing a letter uh, with a personal notation to a literal church that's going on, but he's addressing who he knows is functioning in the church, and he's sending him a letter with a stated problem. And the problem might well be what causes him 
to watch this, put to practice what he's been preaching. He has a name called Philemon, the root of which comes out of the concept of like Philadelphia, Philios, means the lover. And according to the work of the text, the context of the text, he's, he don't have a problem with that. Matter of fact, Paul actually compliments him on how he's loving a lot of folk in church. But he's writing this personal letter because, watch this, you did know that some folk in church are easy to love. Your love test don't come by those who are easy to love. Oh, y'all, let me start that one again. Push pause. Uh, pump the brake. Come back again. Because he got a name that says, I'm a lover. And he's doing good loving most of the folk. Got a good testimony. It's in the passage that he's doing real loving. It's, it's, it's marrying to me how you're loving each. But now Paul's going to challenge him because now um, I find it a little bit more difficult to love someone who has personally violated you. See, I thought you were going to get quiet there. As long as you don't say nothing to me, as long as you don't do nothing to me, as long as you don't rub me the wrong way, as long as you say amen when I'm preaching and don't go to sleep when I'm preaching, we cool. It's like cool in the gang, man. I mean, it's there, but if you... If you personally violate me, now you take my trying to love you to another level. Okay, y'all going to make it hard on last Sunday. We even got theologies for it. God says, I got to love you, but I ain't got to like you. We speak to folks like that. I mean, amen to you too. Hallelujah. Anyhow, I mean... And, and we operate with a reality that, maybe I use an R&B slang, love don't live there anymore. Oh, I'm sorry, old school, the thrill is gone. Paul writes this letter because he writes this letter to address some things that could have been Avoid. Matter of fact, Paul does not have to send this return. Here's the problem. Let me identify the problem. Problem is, watch this. The problem in the passage is that who Philemon used to know, Paul met. Don't look at me like you've been in church all your life. Because, you know, while we act spiritually, you know, sophisticated, our, our arrogant bourgeois. There's some folk that if we go back to your past and discovered, might be able to tell some testimonies you ain't told. Obviously, the text gives us the idea that Philemon and Onesimus had had a problem. Philemon was the uh, owner, if you will. I'm going to use it in the lighter terms because I don't want it to be confused with the African-American Holocaust of slavery. It was indentured servitude, and he had this relationship with Philemon, who was his servant, and 
uh, uh, Philemon, who was the, was the servant owner, uh, Onesimus, who, whose name means useful one, and neither one of them lived up to their name because the word Onesimus means useful, but, you know, there are some folk who name what they not. <laughs> Met a little boy in the airport the last week. His name was Denzel. I ain't going no farther. <laughs> okay, amen. He... he Y'all pray for me, okay? Amen. Uh, he, he got usefulness, but he ain't useful. It, it's like it's like going to you know going to work, but don't plan on working. Go late, take long lunches, leave early. I ain't on your own, okay? It's like going to church and not be guilty of having church. He has the name, but he's not lived up to it, at least not under his first phase with Philemon. The problem is he runs away. And the providence in the passage, watch this, write this down, because when you run away from people, you normally think you're free. But when God is in control of your destiny, you run into him. Here's the providence. He leaves Philemon and runs into Paul. Okay, y'all not even catching it yet. Listen, because Philemon, according to the text, is the son spiritually of Paul. He's trying to get away from problems and run into daddy problems. And I found out that sometimes God works that way because the first person don't have what it takes to get the transition started. Sometimes God, in order to deliver you, got to deliver you from the people you've been dealing with. Oh, I'll say that again just so you catch it in the back. Sometimes God delivers you from what you've been hooked up with. And he uses the people to free you because it looks like you're free, but the chain that's dragging you identifies that that prison is mobile. Okay, here it is. Sometimes in order to get you free to come to church, he got to deliver you from that Negro. A Negroette. Sometimes in order for us to see God's blessings and strength, sometimes God has to reduce the amount of people we see. Come here, I got scripture for you. I know I'm in Bible territory. It was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Sometimes God has to subtract to add. Oh, y'all not catching it. Sometimes he has to demote to promote. Sometimes he has to fire you. So don't ever get twisted when somebody who thinks they've been controlling you, amen, makes a job down because sometimes God uses that as a setup to get you to your next situation. Paul speaks to Philemon through the letter. And here's what he does. It's, it's interesting. He, he writes the letter, and the letter has in verse 10 a plea. Y'all got your Bibles? Here we go. I beseech thee. Okay. I told you already, he's spiritually daddy. 
And the language here in the King James Version kind of tenses toward what I want to call old school parenting. I ain't got enough of y'all in here. <laughs> old school parents made commands look like questions. Pause. Think about it. You going to do the dishes? That sounds like a question. I promise before God, that's a command. I wish I had some old school parents that say, yeah, you're right, Pastor. Yeah, you're right. Did you hear me? That's a question. He raises up a plea, which is a question, but he's in an authoritative position. He says, says, I could command you to do this, but I'm trying to make it beneficial for both of us. Some of y'all know I'm going there. Because if I do it this way, it's going to hurt both of us. That's what mom and me say. It's going to hurt me too. I said, well, don't hurt you. (laughs) Don't hurt you. Don't hurt you. Okay. He says, he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, which I've begotten in my bonds. Contrary to proper belief, some positive things can even happen in imprisoned environments. Paul finds Onesimus while Paul is in jail, which says something about Onesimus. He runs away to get free, but ends up more locked down than he was when he left. Okay, here's where I go back and revert. I'm going to tell you where Cray Cray lives. Here's Cray Cray. Here's Cray Cray. Somebody in the neighbor said, here's Cray Cray. See, some of us, when we were growing up under old school parents, thought that they were being inhibiting us. You know, they, I ain't got no freedom. Ain't nothing to eat while you're moving food over. Didn't appreciate the provisions of good parents until you moved out, got your name on the mortgage. Now you got to put in the goods and the victuals to which to eat, and now you know how to make a whole meal out of noodles. Watch this. Sometimes God lets us leave thinking we're running away, and where we're going into is a whole nother lesson of school by hard knocks. He's left employment and now in imprisonment. He runs into Paul. Now, when he runs into Paul, it's there that he makes the profession. However, it, it's, it, is, it is in his profession. It's in his profession. Watch this. It's in his profession. Pastor, it's in his profession that Paul now finds out his past. See, Paul wouldn't have the wherewithal to hook back up a broken relationship if he had testified. There's no evidence that Philemon wrote to Paul and said, if you ever see a man, by the name of Onesimus, he left me hanging. No, no. The only way Paul ever found out 
that Philemon and Onesimus had a past is that in his profession, coming over to know God, there's some stuff you don't want to hide. There's some stuff you want to bring out. There's some stuff you don't want to just sweep up under the rug. And when Paul hears it, it's so strange. That's why I know it's providence. There's no other way but God that he could run from an employer to the man who's controlling the employer in a place he's running away from the employer at. And Paul says, okay, I got you. Watch this. Because the tragic truth of it is some of us never reach our potential good till we go through a period of some problems. Some of your praise is cute now. Because your trouble been cute. But when you go through a few things, I, I mean, when you see some stuff really happen in your life and and, and only God that can bring you out. You will stop worrying about what folks think about you. And you will start caring more about what God knows about you. It's in the passage because when he comes to the text, the idea here is that when he meets Paul, part of what happens while he's gone is process. And watch this. Some folk will never leave. You'll see them when they're here. And you'll see some group come back. And then you'll wonder what's going on with them. And the problem is you don't know the process. Here's to identify the process. The process principle is here. It's really the question of what made this unprofitable man with a profitable, a profitable name now profitable. Sound like a puzzle? It's really not. What happened to flip on the switch? What happened that now church is serious? What happened that now he's different from the person who left? See, so our fear is that when we see the person who left last Sunday, when they show up this Sunday, we assume it's the same person. But if you're not aware of the transitions that happen in the cycles of growth, you may not understand why somebody's hand is up and the choir hadn't even started singing yet. You, you may not understand why there's praise coming and it don't look like no reason to praise. You, you, you may not understand it because what you've missed are the growth cycles. Let me see if I can get there. Paul says to Philemon, I need you, I beseech you to receive him. God Almighty, I feel like that. This puzzled me. Because when should you have to write a letter to a church to tell them to get in reception mode? Could I suggest that I've been pastoring long enough to know that there are those of us who are only active in excommunication mode? We get excited about putting folk out, but we're not excited about bringing folk in. And Paul might be well letting us know that the condition for which he needs now to write a letter, because you would think a normal church would be glad to have people come. But I've seen the difference. I've seen folk who came to shout, get upset, because when they got to church late, somebody was in their seat. Don't say amen. Keep looking this way. And, and I don't have no problem would you have in a normal place to sit, but be there early enough to get it. 
instead of expecting folk that got here on time to move so you can be in your regular seat. The concept of the problem is that he deals with the fact that, watch this, in the leaving part, there is a process, and in this process, watch this, there's often profitability. Profitability, profitability is normally what happens, I believe, between the benediction of one Sunday to the invocation of the next Sunday. It's that moment between leaving church that we actually begin to employ life, that we're not just church in the four walls, but we're church in the street, we're church on the job, we're church in the supermarket, we're church in the, uh, you know, in the beauty parlor. And it's there where we actually begin to walk out our faith talk out our faith, live out our faith, that we began to get the testimony that should bring newness to our testimony. Doggone it, it should be a new testimony. It shouldn't be the same one you've been talking about. You know what God did for me 10 years ago? Well, hasn't God done anything for you lately? Unless you're suggesting that when you came in 10 years ago, you were fully matured and ain't nothing new needed to happen to you. Watch this. This is why, again, all of us, I believe, fit at least into some of the cray-cray category because we've been, we, we being, we are being delivered from our past craziness. Okay, here it is here for me to testify. I used to let folk control the way I preached, but when I start thinking, they weren't even there. When I was locked down, they weren't even there. When I was down and out, but now since God has brought me in, I don't really care. When I was out in the world... So don't act crazy now because I come in and I still got my dance. I just dance with a new music with a new partner. Here it is. In this passage, there ought to be profitability in the process. In other words, you ought not be going through what you're going through every week and coming in the same. Church has healing issues where they're praying for folk. And if God delivered you last Sunday, why are you in the line every Sunday? When folk ask you how you, ah, I'm just barely making, well, that was what you said last week. Yeah. Every now and then, you ought to be saying, hey, look, you know what the Lord has done for me. Matter of fact, let me tell you what David said. David said, when I thought about it, I was excited when he said, let us go into the Lord. Okay, I got, I got to tell you why that makes sense to me. When I came up, Pastor Benson, there were two old ladies we used to call mothers in our church in the South. I mean, we had a bunch of other mothers, but there was two. Sister Johnson was one, Sister Smith was the other, but they used to shout every Sunday. It's almost like that they looked at each other. <laughs> and I used to sit in the back because I was a drug baby. Okay, not crack. But mama said, we going to church. You drug. Okay, you drug. Okay. <laughs> no options. So I sit in the back and they get to shout. So I, I got in my mind, I said, you know what, they planning this. They look at each other, one of them starts shouting, the other starts shouting. They, they, they plan in it. And I came to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion after some years that that might not be bad theology. Because none of us didn't get here this morning and just find out how good God's been. You've been knowing all week and say, oh man, when I get to the house of God, I'm going to preach, ain't got to preach, singers ain't got to sing, but I'm going to get my praise in because I know what the Lord has done for me. Now, watch this because here's the concept. The pastor says that he, out of the profitability, he has to plea for him to be accepted back. But I checked this out. I checked this out. I checked this out. He had to plea because what's wrong with the idea in the church, particularly with the plea of love and allowing folk to come in and receiving them, is the genuineness and allowing them to get in your personal space makes you vulnerable for futuristic hurts. And because we've been hurt before, 
and don't want to be hurt again. We slow to letting not you again become a part. I mean, you 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 join church, but not our church. Sit over there, on not on this side. And the concept that he's giving him, watch this, is that the pain, however, sometimes robs from the potential of the prospect. He should be, here's what Paul says, a better slave than he was when he left. Paul writes to Philemon saying, let him in. He's not the same as when he left. He's, he's better to you. Matter of fact, he left unprofitable. But I have discovered he's so profitable, I really don't want to send him back to you. But since in his testimony, he let us know that there was a problem between you and he, I'm sending him back so y'all might get this thing together. Because watch this, I discovered he's not only profitable for me, he's profitable for you and profitable for the Lord. Y'all got to catch this one, then I'm on my way out. Watch this. If you look at this passage, the reason why he has to do this, because I told you there's callousness on Philemon. Philemon is one of the persons that, like uh, some of us, as long as it don't incur a personal involvement, a personal, in, you know, a, 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 a violation of my rights, I can do it. As long as he ain't stealing no money from me, cool in the gang. But if he starts stealing money from me, he can't never, uh-uh, don't, don't even say nothing to me. I mean, high is too many letters. So Paul writes this epistle, not historical letter, epistle, to tell the church, here is the news for the church, get this, get over it. Y'all were looking for something deep? Get over it. Okay, I heard the question raised up on this. I said, why? Because Paul says to him, um, I could command you, uh-oh, because such was done for you. And the reason, watch this, some of us still tripping over some folk is we forgot that we used to be the trippers. And he says, you got to get over it. So in order to get over the callousness, because there's two messages going on, he's telling in order to get over the callousness of the church, we got to be in reception mode. We got to be like the antenna. I don't know if I got old school parents again to remember before cables and all this, you know, these big old cables. We had rabbit ears. And if the rabbit ears ain't adjusted right, your reception is messed up. When sinners come back into the house, they're looking over there and see if the rabbit ears are suggested right. And again, every now and then, watch this. When the, when the rabbit ears are adjusted right, the picture comes in clear. Paul says to Philemon, I could order you to do that. But I'm making it as a plea because he ran away. But just because he got away from you, it meant he got away from God. And you got to be careful because God operates ministries long after church hours. Problem, the prophet, the plea, the prospect. But then I want to give you the proof. And then I'm out. He told him to go back. I do need to connect it with one other thing because in order to have reception, you got to have somebody who's willing to go back. Onesimus, the slave, didn't mind going back. But Paul says, you'll be crazy 
to bring him back in as a slave. He's more valuable than just a slave. Just because I'm back don't mean I'm in the same level than when I left. He says he's more profitable. Okay. I, I, I checked on, I want to make sure Paul was not a, a prophet, you know, not, a, you know, one of those prophets of our day to tell you, you know, bring your bills, turn around three times, and go home, God going to pay your bills, you dizzy in the dark. <laughs> Ignatius was evidently, watch this, the pastor of Antioch Church about 50 years after Paul wrote the letter to Philemon. He was in prison and tried for his faith and condemned to die a martyr's death. Now, while being escorted from Antioch to Rome, he wrote several letters to the churches of Asia Minor. These letters still survive. These letters can still be looked at today to suggest, again, this is not a fallacy. This is not made up. This is not a homily, a cute little rhyme at the end of this preaching message. One of them is written to the Ephesian church, where the very first chapter speaks ever so highly of their bishop. Guess what his name is? His name is Onesimus. Uh, uh, Ignitus does something that Paul does. Paul says that he's become beneficial. And because Philemon let him come in, but didn't let him have to stay where he left out, but gave him the ability to grow where he can grow, where grace is now able to take him to. Onesimus, watch this, he, he leaves a slave, but he comes back a shepherd. I wish I had, okay, listen, and that's why you need to look at your neighbor right now and say, don't you count me out. Just because I left limping last week, because I left struggling last week, don't you think I'm coming back to the necessary? Because greater things have he prepared for me, great things that he done, because I might be back, but I'm better. Don't just get it twisted. I didn't just make it back, but I made it back by amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When I think about the fact that growth cycles happen. When I think about how the fact that God puts all of us on secular events, that we're in the church and out of the event. We are in the church and out of the church. We're, we're at the job and we're leaving job. Here's what I'm suggesting. If we read this epistle, there is simple spiritual posture, simple spiritual principles that the cycles you are in are not cycles that are not dynamic in its growth. In other words, watch this. Every level is another level. Watch this. I, I got to say this. Because we, we, some of us have a problem with the devil on this level. But the next level got a new devil. And if you don't learn how to praise God when folk are rolling their eyes, at you now. You don't learn how to focus and stay focused when God is there. Because you know it was nobody else but God that brought you through what he brought you through. So watch this. When you understand that it was God that brings you, God that brings you back, he makes you better with every level, there ought to be something consistent in all of our testimonies. He's sweeter today than he was on yesterday. My challenge is this. 
challenges two things. Onesimus, you who are useful in name. Uh, Pastor, what did it look like? Well, I'm a member, but I'm not contributing. Listen, say this. It's more blessed. Okay, we ain't going to say it together. Okay. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, here's what I'm saying. We got some folk who are just happy at receiving. God called you to be more than a receiver. He called you to be a giver. And right now in your mind, you say, well, I ain't got no money. I ain't even talking about your money. Every week you load up with word. Every week you go back to a job that needs word. Every week you got some crazy folk at the barber shop and at the beauty shop. You ought to do some exhortation. Okay, last contrary theology I'm going to give you today. I was hunting with my daddy. I can't even say that in Wilmington nowadays, right? Because I was hunting with my daddy. He, we, we all got guns at 12. We ain't shoot nobody. We got shotguns at 12. We got BB guns at 8, yada, yada, yada. But I, was, I was shooting. I was going out hunting, and we were, we were rabbit hunting. Oh, do I have any country folk in here? Any country folk? Okay. I'm trying to figure, find out how deep I need to explain this one because... Um, <laughs> They got rabbit at ShopRite, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Rabbits had in thickets. And so you're you in, you in ready position. Because you don't never know when you're going to get a rabbit. Now, I'm looking for, not Bugs Bunny, but I'm looking for rabbit. And I run into a, what they call a cove of quail. Now, if you're looking for rabbit, rabbit, quail come out, and there's a whole lot of them. Okay, I'm black. In the woods. Looking for and here. About 20 birds. I take a shotgun. Shotgun has a range pattern about like this. I raise it up. I shoot into the flock of quail. Boom. Boom. Two shots. Dad said, you hear something? I said, no. He said, what were you aiming at? I said, uh, you know, because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't aim at any, I just aimed. <laughs> he said, well, you hit it. You aimed at nothing? <laughs> and you hit nothing. He said, next time, Lead the bird, find a bird, shoot that bird. You might shoot him and another bird. Sure enough, came another shot. Here's where I'm getting to your exposition. I mean, your, ex, uh, your exhortation. I shot a bird. I picked up the bird. And I said, I ain't eating this bird. Look at all y'all city folk looking at me now. <laughs> it had a knot in his neck. Big old knot. Y'all with me? I'm not going to hoop this one. I'm just going to talk this one close. Okay? Big knot in the neck. So I ain't eating something wrong with this bird. He said, no, you got to understand this. This bird went to the field to eat for birds who couldn't make it. 
Y'all ever heard a crawl in the neck? It would eat some of the seed and go into his stomach. It eats some of the seed and go into his crawl. This other seed that's in his crawl ain't for that bird. It's for the little birds in the nest. So when they come back and open their mouth, the little birds that can't get to the field can eat out of their mouth. Here's what I just told y'all. Y'all missed it. Your neck ought to be leaving this morning with a big old crawl on it. So the people didn't hear McAdoo, they could hear you. Exhortation breathing out from that concept about which can happen. And when it happens, watch this. Because you go back, they might, you might have cried last week, but every week you ought to go better. Not just the church being better, but even to your jobs being better. Because who wants to join a church with jacked up members at the job? Heads bowed. You've been through something this week. It's been strategic. You've been through something. It's been divinely arranged. We think sometimes we can run away from it. But we often run into providence. And God wants to use, just like in the message today, you to show the evidence to the world that God can take a runaway. Somebody not, that's not living to the standards or living to the potential in which they can live. And God wants to simply use you as his trophy. He wants to send you back to folk and prove through the transitions in your life that the stuff that used to trip you up, now you got triumph over. The stuff that used to make you victims, now you have victory over. And he wants to you, he, he, he seldom wants you to escape that past that way. There's a Bible story of a man who's in the grave. He's demon possessed. And when Christ cures him from the demons, he wants to follow Christ because all the people are not kind of with the fact that some of the, lo they, lost some, they lost some pigs in that process. He said, I want to go with you, Lord, but the Lord says, no, I need you to go back home. Because going back home with better than what you had when you left is what's going to be the power that causes others to now know the power that God has that if any man or woman be in Christ, they're new creatures. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Maybe I ought to say it this way. Your testimony may not be, I stop cussing. But it ought to be evidence that you don't cuss as much. It ought to show a growth pattern that now you're growing stronger. That you're growing more Christ-like. You don't roll your eyes as much. You don't let folk pull your strings as much. Because you're showing now, I'm back, but I'm better. And yes, God still is working on me, but I, I thank God. This is for me, it's not for y'all. I praise God for progress. I ain't what I need to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm back but I'm better.
And I know that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask and all think. I know he's not finished with me yet. So here's what I'm going to plead. Here's the plea. Here's the plea. Here's the plea. Because the plea is twofold. Maybe you were the Onesimus in the text. You've kind of been running from stuff. and Your running days are over. God now wants you to face the Because if you can't face it, you can't fix it. And you ain't got to fix it. All you got to do is stand still and watch the salvation of God. But then maybe you're the Philemon. Maybe it's you that you've been personally hurt and you can't let the Onesimus return in your life because you just, simply put, haven't gotten over it. So I'm making a pill on both behalves. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. If you are Onesimus, you've been named. God has plans for you that are positive. He, he knows the plans he has for you. It's not just to live on mediocrity. It's not just to barely survive. He wants you to prosper and be in good health. That don't always mean a lot of money, but it does mean a lot of peace. He wants you to have what you need when you need it. He wants you to learn how to depend on him. And I've learned in my life that the lack of my resources are there divinely. Because it's in that that he keeps me dependent upon him. The last thing I ever want to do is develop a case of spiritual AIDS. Not acquired immune deficiency syndrome, but attitudes independent of a divine savior. In other words, I think I can make it without God. The devil is a liar. If you're here today and you're You've been living the Onesimus life. Your run is over. It's time to come and give your life to him. And if you're Philemon, you're at the church, you've been hurt, and you really deal with the fact, Lord, it's, it's really hard to hurt. Can I, can I tell you that 